Good evening. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, the 10th commandment. So we've come through nine commandments, and uh, we come now to the 10th commandment, the last one on the second table. And it says this, uh, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So uh, very all-encompassing sort of commandment here, uh, and we'll get into that. And, and I, don't think, I don't know if there's any, any uh, commandment that a person could get up and speak about that, uh, that would be so washed over even upon the speaker. Uh, it, it seems like such an avoidable, uh, unavoidable sin that, uh, you know, I may be able to stand up here and say I haven't murdered somebody uh, or stolen, perhaps, uh, but there is no way that I could possibly confess to you in this moment that I have not or do not covet. When I think about coveting, I think about all the pop culture references uh, that are replete with coveting. Uh, the one thing I think about is uh, my childhood watching the TV show or the cartoon Pinky and the Brain. Has anyone ever heard of Pinky and the Brain? Yeah, of course. And uh, what are we going to do tonight, Brain? And Brain would always say the same thing we do every night, Pinky. And what was that? Try to take over the world. And how are they going to do it? Well, of course, with a superconductive magnetic infundibulator, right? And how are they going to get that? Well, they're going to steal all the gold from Fort Knox to build the thing. And then they're going to steal everyone's money with it. And so we have all kinds of fun cultural references to this. Jingle all the way. We're going to destroy the whole town fighting over this doll that my son wants, Right? And I'm sure you can think of many, many more of those. But here we come to the 10th commandment on coveting. And, and the first five commandments really implore us to love the Lord our God, right? But, but then the last five wrap up nicely here in you shall not covet. And really what it's saying here is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so you shall not covet is certainly one of the great negatives of Scripture. And, and yet here, this commandment, it's not exhaustive. It, it, it's not like if you don't desire your neighbor's servant or wife or you don't desire your neighbor's house, that, okay, I'm free of coveting because uh, coveting is so vast, so huge. And, and it, it's so uh, immersive and it, and it ranges on a spectrum from from mild to severe in its effect and its destruction. Um, and nonetheless, as I already said, really none of us can claim to have skipped over uh, this sin within our hearts. So the first question we come to here then with the 10th commandment is, uh, what sin is exposed? Uh, how do we fail this? And so I'll just put the question to you all. Uh, what would be your definition of covenant? Very on point. 
in, in thinking about coveting, I, I, uh, I thought, a, thought about it a lot the past uh, several weeks, and um, I was greatly helped for a definition by William Ames, great Puritan, who says, coveting is the immoderate keeping of the things we have and is opposed to generosity. Or in avarice, it is the greedy desire for things we do not have. So I'll say that again. The immoderate keeping of the things we have and is opposed to generosity. Or in avarice, it is the greedy desire for things we do not have. I think this definition is helpful for me, and, and, and it really helps us delineate the difference between desire, which isn't always bad, right, and covetousness. Uh, it, it can be a fine line for sure, but, but notice Ames' definition here. The immoderate keeping, right, and the greedy desire. I think that's helpful for us as we search this sin in our hearts. So will we withhold things that we don't need rather than share them with those who do need them? Uh, will we climb over and pull down others to acquire the things that we want? When we, when, we, when we put it that way, there, there can be some mild relief, my friends, but, but don't be fooled. Uh, this, this is a, a very insidious sin, and, and, and the snares of covetousness can be, can be very subtle, uh, as we see in Romans chapter 7. Um, and, 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 and covetousness is the thing, and one of you all mentioned it, I think it was Michael, that uh, it, it is the thing which can lead us to break the other commandments. Uh, it is the thing that can lead me to lust. It is the sin that can lead me to murder or the sin that can lead me to steal or lie. And, and, and so we have to understand that I, I don't know if in God's wisdom he, he did this purposefully, but it really wraps up and ties up the commandments nicely. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1 or uh, 11 verse 24 says, One gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers once. In 1 Timothy 6, 9, Paul writes, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. And of course, uh, there's definitely a monetary thing here, but don't be fooled. That's not the only thing uh, that it is. Uh, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So, so coveting can be something that, that we actively do uh, and intentionally do, or it can be something that we passively do. I want that house. I want that man or woman. I want that food, or I want his salary. And I, and I may even be bitter about the fact that I don't have that thing. Or, or it can be something that we do passively. I don't give generously. I don't serve freely. It ranges from grasping for physical things, food, lust, profit, gain, or striving for conceptual things, achieving glory, achieving honor, getting the recognition of the world or our, our fellow believers. But, you know, when I think about coveting, I, I, I had to ask myself first and foremost, is, is this a sin that mostly affects me or is, it, or is it a sin that mostly affects other people coming from me? And, and, and I ask myself, well, what's the big deal if it only plays out in my heart? And I, and I think the big deal here is that we will, in small and large ways, act on this sinful desire if we allow it to root in our hearts. And, and thus, if we allow it to root and act on it, 
we, we at least, in the minimum, violate the entire second half of the Ten Commandments. And, and so coveting, it, it's insidious, and, and it will disorder our desires. It, it will misdirect us from a kingdom focus. And, and, and so it affects us as individuals. Coveting robs God of his rightful glory. It robs him of our gratitude towards him. And, and, and coveting, it, it reaches up, and it pulls our neighbor back so that they can't live in joy, so that they can't live in contentment. And so it causes us to be bitter, it causes us to be discontent, and it causes our neighbor to be discontent. And it causes them to, in some ways, curse God for their lack of joy. And it just roots into this life a cycle of dissatisfaction that's hard to climb out of. Coveting is very all-encompassing. Our, our second question, what does the law teach about God, and, and how did Jesus fulfill it? Does anyone want to, uh, any story come to mind from the New Testament with Jesus specifically? How, how, how did Jesus fulfill obeying this commandment? Nick? Uh, that's what comes to my mind, too. Um, his temptation in the wilderness. He, he refused to assert his power. He refused to assert his authority and claim earthly treasure. Uh, and so I think that's a beautiful example of Jesus fulfilling this commandment. Um, the other one is Philippians 2. Uh, he humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. Philippians 2. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus was so determined to fulfill this commandment and to be obedient to it, even to the point of death on the cross, brothers and sisters. And so that is a challenge to us today as believers. None of us are walking to our death to avoid coveting. Third question, what does the law teach us repeated and enhanced in the New Testament? I think the first thing is um, store up your treasures in heaven. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, be on guard against all types of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Jesus instructs his here to store up their treasures in heaven. Uh, he, he, he says it's, it's only a fool who would chase after abundance. Be, and why? Because everything we have can be taken in an instant. And so the conclusion of his teaching there is, therefore, don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. You don't have to stock up and store pounds upon pounds of rice in your cabinets and hoard it for yourself or when the toilet paper is getting ready to fly off the shelves don't worry don't worry only a fool would try to store up possessions on earth and, and i think this is a particularly relevant thing for us today because 
we really, friends, and I guess I see, I, I may see this even more poignantly running a business, we are careening towards a world economy that is really on the brink of collapse, and, 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 and things will get hard, things, and we will struggle. And there are some of us who are going to have to remind us of do not covet when that time's come, time comes. Some of us will thrive in that time, but some of us will struggle. That is a promise, my friends. And so we have to learn to be content in what is coming. And, and so that's a, a very, like, right now relevant sort of application. Store up your treasures in heaven. But then also recognize, brothers and sisters, that there will be fellow church members who are struggling. And so store up your treasures in heaven, right? And come alongside and be the church. So the second thing, know that we all covet. We all covet. Uh, Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about this. Uh, he, he says that uh, it, it was this commandment that made him know what coveting even was. And, and that we are a coveting people. And, and he says it produced in him every kind of coveting. It's, a, it's as though Paul is saying that this sin is so all-encompassing that he found it nearly inescapable in his own life. And so covetous desire, uh, even at, kept at a minimum, um, so others don't really notice, notice uh, we have to understand that it's still chipping away at our holiness. And, and, and so, friends, this is your need for Christ. Uh, because when I think about coveting, I, I feel like I'm just falling over the edge into it all the time. And what am I going to do? But I have to understand, brothers and sisters, as, as a Christian, that I have trusted in Christ to help me overcome this sin. To help me overcome it. And, and I won't overcome it completely until glorification. And neither will you. But also know that if you're not a believer, you cannot escape the dissatisfaction in your life that coveting brings unless you give your life to Christ, unless you trust in his death on the cross for your sins. And, and as you're a Christian, as you have a sister who doesn't believe, or you meet someone in the gym who doesn't believe, you've got to help them understand that message, that they must trust Christ to help them escape the snares of their sin. Third, this command reveals that our sinful desires affects our neighbors. We are not only victimizing ourselves in our sinfulness, but we are victimizing our neighbor. Romans chapter 13, Paul says this specific command is summed up in love your neighbor as yourself. Fourth, and this is obvious, but it has to be stated, coveting is wrong. Coveting is wrong. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, there must not be any hint of greed in you. Or there must not be any, any hint of coveting in you. Even though it's rampant in our lives, as Paul says, e e even still there should not be any hint of it in us. We shouldn't just accept that it's a thing in our lives. We don't get a pass here because, because God is holy and he punishes sin. And he will punish our covetous desires. And either he will punish you for those desires or he has already punished that on the cross. But it is wrong, even as unavoidable as it can be. And then fifth, your union with Christ is of the greatest of riches. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he says, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. Your union is with Christ. You are bound 
to the creator. So be content and seek contentment in that because that is the greatest riches you could ever have. So in conclusion, application points here. I, I think the first thing, um, and, and, and maybe I, I point on this one first because it's something that I think about the most. Um, an answer to coveting is thankfulness and contentment. You must content your mind in the lot that God has given you. Whether you are rich or whether you are poor, there's often a lack of thanksgiving for what God has given each of us that leads many of us to sin. And, and this is really a pandemic of the heart that, that affects rich people, poor people, people of different races, genders, creeds, sexes, ages, whatever, ideologies. Nobody is immune from this. And a lack of focus on God's common good towards all people and his specific good towards us as believers it will cause us to wallow in covetousness. We'll say nasty things towards God and others. And, 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 and when we are not content with his gift towards us. And I think of Proverbs chapter 30. Give me neither poverty nor lack, so that I may not have so little and curse you, or have so much and say, who is God? But Lord, I will be content with just what you have given me today. We must be more thankful, friends in our jobs, if we don't get that promotion, if the paycheck in the, isn't as good as, it, as we want it to be, if we visit a brother's house and it's better than ours, their husband's nicer, all those sorts of things, we must say thank you to the Lord for his good in our life. And then as always, I always want to contemplate, what does this mean for us as members at JTBC? I think um, one thing that we do regularly here during the service is we pray prayers of thanksgiving uh, during the service. And I, and I really think this is something that we do, and it serves to keep at bay covetousness in our lives so that we don't have to also pray that as a prayer of confession on the following Sunday. And, and I've often noticed even that uh, whether it's a prayer of confession, praise, or anything, it always turns into a prayer of thanksgiving. Another thing, let, let's not waste time coveting each other's time. I, I, think, uh, I think oftentimes we will covet each other's time, or we will covet our own time, and, and we will languish in inactivity. If I had more time like the college students, well, then I would serve more. Or if I had more time, didn't have to write all these school papers for college, and I could just have all this free time like all the parents, well, then I would serve more, Right? And so oftentimes we will even covet people's time and use it as an excuse for not serving in the church. And we just languish in that inactivity. And the other thing is, I would, I would say, seek after the joy of your neighbor. And when I say your neighbor, I mean right here in the church. And in the context of this church, I mean, seek to serve each other here. Uh, now, I, I say this as an aside, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the staff, and I've never, ever heard the staff or elders say this, but I served on staff for one very long year at a church, and it was, uh, it, it was exhausting that I had members in my church that refused to serve, uh, and, and it, w it was wearisome. 
and, and, and joy-sucking in many ways. And it was joy-sucking to the people who did serve oftentimes. And so I would even say, be generous with your time in this church. How might we not be so covetous, greedy with our time? William Ames said, an inordinate love of ourselves is a great cause of covetousness. And he also said, uh, we must not succumb to the dreams of fanatics and think that we will escape coveting this side of eternity, but we have to accept that we will not escape this great negative until we are glorified. And so my last question on your handout there is, how can we know we're gaining victory against this sin? And I would just say sanctification. Sanctification. When I was a child, I talked like a child. Right? Are you still, as a believer, talking and walking like a child? Or can you say that as you grow and as you mature, you're putting away childish things? I think that's one way that I can know that we can be encouraged that we're gaining ground against this sin, that we're seeing maturity in our lives, that we're giving more, being more generous, being less greedy, less sinfully desirous. And so I hope that as we go about our weeks that uh, we will be on guard for this thing because uh, it's, it's, it's the thing that will cause us to do the other thing. Right, And when we think about the Ten Commandments, and as we wrap up the Ten Commandments, uh, with all the commandments, we have to remember that if we want to obey them and avoid them, then we must obey them and avoid even the tertiary things that will lead us into death. Let us pray. Father, thank you um, for your good in our lives. Whether we feel blessed or cursed, in our circumstances, you have been good to us. You have given us life. You have allowed us to breathe. You have allowed us to taste your joys. And so, Father, would you encourage us as a church and as believers to live in thankfulness as we sit down to eat, as we wake up each day, as we travel to and from our jobs? Could you help us to be content in what you have given us? Lord, we plead and help you today and, and ask that you help us today. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Now please stand and we're going to sing as our benediction, We Will Glorify, that's printed on the bottom of the front.